On today's episode of Locked On NHL, Jamie Benn plays his 1,000th game of his career, but could his next 1,000 come with an interesting winger? We will talk about that and much more on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Podcast, Western Conference Tuesdays. I am one of your hosts from Locked On Oilers, Brett Holden, and joining me from Locked On Stars is Dane Lewis. Dane, how are you doing this wonderful Tuesday morning? Oh, I'm doing great. We have real hockey back. Uh, I know there's a lot of differing opinions about All-Star Weekend. Definitely not as entertaining as the real deal and I mean, my team, the Stars, were back in action on Monday night. They pick up the win, and you, you talked about it at the top of the show. Jamie Benn, 1,000 career games. Uh, pretty pretty impressive that he's not only reached that milestone, but also done it with the same team. And then you throw in 66 playoff games as well. Uh, and I think he's you know built himself a pretty nice career and a pretty good standing in the eyes of you know the fans here in Dallas. So th- things are good right here as of now. A thousand games, 66 playoff games, one Stanley Cup finals appearance for Jamie Benn. But could that come with a new winger in the form of Patrick Kane? We will talk about that a little later on on today. Well, actually coming up on today's episode. Also coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at the Western Conference race, the playoff race. As things are starting to heat up and could there be some teams starting to slip in the standings? We will talk about that. And to wrap up today's episode, it was a brawl in the garden between the Calgary Flames and the New York Rangers. What a game. Some people even saying the game of the year. But are there things to be worried about on the Calgary Flames side coming out of that game? We will talk about that and much more on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you find your podcast. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And where we are going to get started, as mentioned, is with the Dallas Stars. Jamie Benn playing with his uh, playing his 1,000th game in the NHL just has been an absolute stalwart in this league. Uh, we'll Start with Jamie Benn, then move into some of the chatter going around uh, the the stars right now. But let's start with Jamie Benn. As mentioned, a thousand games in the NHL, sixty six playoff games, and playoff or uh, Stanley Cup Finals appearance. You mentioned a pretty good career. Talk a little bit more about uh, Jamie Benn and his importance to the uh, the Dallas Stars. Yeah, it, it's it's big time. And it's something that I think can go overlooked, especially at this point in his career, because while he's been great this season, I mean, I think he's at 19 goals, 25 assists. I mean, he's not needing to be the guy in terms of offense and production, but he still provides value to the team from a leadership standpoint and how to you know conduct yourself as a player on the ice, but also off the ice as well. I think he's you know made a name for himself as a hockey player, but also in the community, a a guy who doesn't necessarily like the spotlight or 
really getting interviewed. I've had the opportunity to be in some post game media scrums afterwards, and he's pretty soft spoken, normally pretty quick with his answers. Although I will say, uh, last night a lot of smiles and ref when getting to talk about his family being in attendance and you know talking about the ovation from the crowd. They played a little tribute video for him to recognize his thousandth game played at the Stars Arena. I mean, it was a special night all around. And then John Klingberg was also back for the first time with the Ducks. And so, I mean, they were both teammates for a long time. So uh, kind of an emotional night. And I think, you know, Jamie got to to take it all in and his teammates did a, a little tribute, you know, for him pregame skating and warmups with no helmets on. They they slick back the hair with the hairspray and then they do the uh, Jamie Benz, you know, stick tape job. Just one little stripe uh, down the, you know, the the blade of the stick, something you don't see super often, but. I mean, I think it just speaks volumes to the amount of respect and how much these guys enjoy playing for him. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I made a reference on actually today's episode of Locked on Stars that I think, you know, you look at, you know, Dallas sports in general and, and really just sports across, you know, the, the North America, really. It's very rare to see a player stick around with the team as long as they have, especially in the NHL. I mean, you have your Ovechkins and your Crosbys who are, are synonymous with the organizations they represent. But in Dallas, I mean, it's hard to think of guys across, you know, all the, the major sports here. It's like you have Dirk Nowitzki with the Mavericks who played his entire career there. And then you have Jamie Benn. And I feel like both of those guys kind of on the same level in terms of just admiration from the fan base, teammates, coaching staff. They do things the right way. They, they play incredibly hard and they give it all they have. And they also lead the team. And I think both of them have different leadership styles as players. But J- Jamie Benn's been special to watch. And I, I think it's... You know, we're kind of at this place where he's still able to contribute, but there's also a little bit of a, a changing of the guard, if you will, with, you know, these new players on the, on the come up with, you know, Jason Robertson, Rope Hintz, Wyatt Johnson, this next great generation of Dallas Stars players, but they're being ushered in by, you know, Jamie Benn, who's been the, the longest tenured captain in franchise history. And I imagine uh, he will be just that probably until he retires. And it, it just feels weird even imagining him playing in a different city I don't necessarily see it happening. So he means a ton to this city, to this organization. I know he might not have the best reputation across the league from other fan bases, but I, I can't <laughs> imagine that's something he cares too much about. I think he cares about what his teammates think about him uh, and what his fans and all of those people held, hold him in, in pretty high regard. 1,000 games played for Jamie Benn, 348 goals, 465 assists, 813 points for the longest tenured captain in Dallas Stars history. However, let's get into a little silly season talk now. As you mentioned to me that there may be a, a pretty interesting name on his way to Dallas, or at least has been linked to the Dallas Stars, and it would be very interesting to see Jamie Ben and Patrick Kane played together. Uh, Dane, what have you been hearing around uh, Patrick Kane and the Dallas Stars? Yeah, so I saw this story kind of pop up last night right before puck drop, before the, the Stars and Ducks game. Uh, a tweet from Mario Tirabasi. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. My apologies if I'm not. But this is a tweet from him that says, Patrick Kane says his agent has come to him with teams that have shown interest in trading for him but that he is still undecided what to do for his future. Mario is a, it covers the Chicago Blackhawks, a, a verified account on Twitter, not subscribed to Twitter Blue, uh, an originally <laughs> verified account. So I imagine there's some sort of stock to that. But then another originally a verified account, another Chicago reporter, uh, David Pagnotis, quote tweets it and just says, New York Rangers and Dallas among them, and among them in reference to 
the teams that have shown interest in Patrick Kane. And this isn't the first time that, that this has happened. This happened back even in the offseason uh, before training camp and things of that nature picked up. There was a slight rumor. Maybe Patrick Kane wants to come play for the Dallas Stars. It was shot down pretty quick. And, and obviously he, he stayed in Chicago for the time being. But now I've seen that him and Jonathan Taves, you know, trade talks have started to escalate just a little bit. And it's, you know, an interesting move, especially given the season that Kane has had. Certainly not the numbers that we've grown accustomed to seeing from him in recent seasons. Only nine goals, 25 assists, 34 points in 45 games. And there's also been a lot of talk that he's, you know, when he has been playing, he hasn't been 100%. He hasn't been fully healthy. And so in my eyes, this is kind of a, a red flag situation of, you know, just some, as someone who covers the stars, I think Patrick Kane's a great player, future Hall of Famer, no doubt. But I don't necessarily want this trade to go down where he ends up in Dallas because, I mean, one, we don't know what kind of player we're getting in terms of health. If he's fully healthy, I think the production could be nice. But also, you have to look at the cap situation. He has a $10.5 million cap hit right now, and the stars just don't have the cap space to take that on without giving up a, a huge chunk of their current roster. And while I think there are a few players on the current roster that could get dealt or could get traded without too much of a negative impact on the team, I, I think that's maybe only one or two guys. And in this situation, you're maybe giving up you know, two or three guys as well as probably prospects because the Blackhawks are in a little bit of a rebuild, as we all know. And the Stars do have some good prospects, but you have to ask the question, is it worth giving up some of the future pieces of your franchise? Guys like Logan Stankoven, who have been lighting the junior hockey world on fire. Is it worth giving up a guy like that for a 34-year-old Patrick Kane who might not be 100%? So that, that's kind of the story there. Again, that's, that's you know two tweets uh, from, from some people in Chicago. And of course, it doesn't seem like Kane or Taves really have an idea of what they want to do with their future. So I don't think there's a ton of traction here just yet from what I can pick up. But I do think it was interesting uh, that the Stars have shown interest given the cap situation that they're in and, and what they would likely have to give up if they were to make a move for a player like Patrick Kane. Now, uh, Patrick Kane is a UFA at the end of the year. You bring some good up point, uh, good points as well, uh, especially alongside Logan Stankoven. I was going to mention Stankoven in that conversation that you had with the younger players as well with the uh, Dallas Stars. Yes, I, I completely agree with uh, not selling those parts, and that seems like that's what it's going to take. Now, uh, to kind of wrap up on Patrick Kane here, it seemed like, and I, I said this in the summer, that I don't think this should be a deadline deal. Now we're getting closer to the deadline, and you mentioned his injury woes, his numbers haven't exactly been there. Is he 100% healthy? A, that deteriorates the, the value for Patrick Kane, but B, what type of player is the team who is going to be acquiring Patrick Kane actually getting? Is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be playing many games for you down the stretch in games where you need a Patrick Kane. I think that it was a mistake by the Chicago Blackhawks not making this deal in the summer. I realize that uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves in the same breath have both been going, well, let's play this 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 year out and we'll see. But I just think from a, a team perspective, you had to have known that something similar to that, you weren't a good team. 
you were never going to be a good team. And the output from those players were never going to be where they always have been, even if you were not the worst team in the league. But they are the worst team in the league. And there's a reason why there's the wor- why they are the worst team in the league. And yes, in, in all reality, you probably are going to recoup some futures and some picks and get some very solid players in return for Patrick Kane. But what could you have gotten for Patrick Kane in the summer? Nobody knew what he was going through. So I I don't know. Um, Last call on uh, Patrick Kane here, Dane. Where do you think Patrick Kane were to fit on the Dallas Stars if he were to get sent to Dallas? I mean, if, if it's pretty simple. I think if he comes to Dallas, he slots in perfectly. If if this is a 100% healthy Patrick Kane, he slots in perfectly on the Stars' second line alongside Tyler Sagan. That's been a huge, huge need for the Stars this season. It is, you know, two good wingers to play alongside him. And while there still could be a potential issue with finding that second winger, a fully healthy Patrick Kane solves a lot of those problems. Because, again, when he's fully healthy, I think that he could still be a very, very good player. It's just a matter of if that's true. And if you ask me, you look at this Blackhawks roster, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, those are the big names. But if the Stars are going to make a move with the Blackhawks, I'd rather see them go after a guy like Max Domi, who only has a $3 million cap hit, and has 35 points in 48 games, 14 goals, 21 assists. So, And he's also a, another winger, guy that can also play the center position as well, but Cap Friendly also has him listed as a left winger. So, I, I mean, that's just kind of my thoughts on that. Would it be fun to see you know, a team that boasts some of the best American talent in the league with Robertson, Pavelski, Ottinger, and, and Patrick Kane? Yeah, that'd be fun, but I, I just don't think what the Stars would have to sell is worth it in the return might not be that great because again, we, we never really know the extent of hockey injuries. And you know, I've seen tweets and heard reports that a lot of Patrick Kane's teammates have kind of been quick to say that he's toughing it out and that a lot of players might not even be playing if they were in the wow. situation he was in. So I, I really just don't know what state he's in. And I think it could be a big risk for any team looking to pursue him. And if I personally were, were you know making the decisions for the stars here at the deadline, I, I would not pursue Patrick Kane. Ooh, absolute heat bomb coming from Dane already. Let's wrap up on the Patrick Kane talk. Let's move on to the playoff race talk. Something Patrick Kane isn't currently in, but he may have a little bit of a hand in the Western Conference uh, playoff race here. And there's been some interesting stories coming out of the West, especially in the Pacific, but could the former Stanley Cup champions keep getting back into their form? We will talk about that in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that is even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can get uh, so you can bet, excuse me, Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to 3 
$1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And speaking of touchdowns, we all know the Super Bowl is coming up this Sunday. Dane, the Eagles, the Chiefs. What a Super Bowl we have coming up. And I have a pretty interesting line here. The Super Bowl MVP. If you were to guess who the Super Bowl MVP or at least the leader for the Super Bowl MVP betting is right now, who do you think it is? My guess would be Patrick Mahomes, but I also would not be surprised to see Jalen Hurts in the top and maybe dark horse candidate Travis Kelsey. Okay, all right. Well, what if I said to you, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts have the exact same odds on FanDuel to get the Super Bowl MVP both at plus 130, but Travis Kelsey plus 1600. Mm, I don't know, maybe chasing the sauce a little bit here. That's not too bad. (laughs) By the way, my call, I think he's been the underrated running back all year. Miles Sanders, he's sitting at plus 2500. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Either way, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Alrighty, Dane, let's move on to the playoff races. Maybe one of these teams will get into the Super Bowl of hockey, the Stanley Cup. Let's be real. The Stanley Cup is greater than the Super Bowl, but we can move on from that. Nothing personal. (laughs) Uh, The playoff race for the Western Conference is heating up. Heating up the current uh, wild card positions are being occupied by the two Albertan teams, the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. The Calgary Flames suffering a big loss in New York last night. We will talk about that in the next period of today's episode. But still in the race, the Colorado Avalanche, 57 points, uh, one point back of the Calgary Flames and the Nashville Predators who have 54 points, who sit four points back from the Calgary Flames. However, just to put this in perspective, the Edmonton Oilers who do occupy the top wildcard spot with 60 points only sits two points back of Vegas with 62 and Los Angeles and Seattle are both tied at the top of the Pacific with 63 points. This is an absolute arms race to the end. The Minnesota Wild have 58 points, where the Colorado Avalanche have 57, and then Dallas and Winnipeg are kind of running away within the Central. But that last spot in the Central is up for grabs, and basically all of the Pacific Division is up for grabs for these teams. Dean, let's just start off with general feelings around the playoff race. This is what we want down the stretch, right? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, you want as many teams as possible playing in as many meaningful games as possible. And, and I think, I mean, the way I see it, you have the top three teams in each division. And then I think you have about four or five teams in the in the wild card race right now. Edmonton, Calgary, Colorado. I'll throw Nashville in there because they're at 54 points as opposed mm-hmm. to Colorado's 57. So they, they certainly have a big hill to climb, but I don't think they're out of it. St. Louis is probably where I draw the line. I mean, they're at 49 points. So 
I mean, not totally out of it, but also, I mean, if Nashville has a mountain to climb, St. Louis has, I don't know what's bigger than a mountain, but something <laughs> that's bigger than a mountain, that, that's what they have to climb with all the injuries that they've accumulated as well and having to fight the distractions of some of their key players being potentially traded here in the next month, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, what have you. But yeah, I mean, this is best case scenario, I think, in the Western Conference. And I think just about every team we assumed would be competitive to this point in the season has relatively held up their end of the deal. Maybe outside of the Canucks, I know there were high expectations on them. They, They have not met those expectations, but maybe this time next year we'll have a different conversation about them. But yeah, I mean, this. I think the Eastern Conference is its own juggernaut, and they have their own, you know, entertainment of some of the best teams in the league. But the West feels a little bit more wide open. Of course, as someone who covers the Stars, I'm pretty biased to say I think they're maybe the best in the conference. But there's some other really good candidates out there, uh, whether that be Colorado, Winnipeg, Minnesota is coming to Dallas on Wednesday night for what should be a really entertaining game, and, and even the Pacific. I mean, Seattle is in a really nice spot, tied with Los Angeles in points, but they also have several games in hand. They've only played 49 games, and the Kings have played 53. So it's going to be an interesting race, I think especially in the Pacific Division, because I think Seattle just being at the top throws a wrench into so much of what the expectations were for that division going into this year. Because I know I, for one, didn't even have them making the playoffs, and now here they are with the chance to not only make it, but potentially win their division. A couple things. I I 100% agree. And the fact that 63 points separate, well, the Seattle Kraken of 63 points. uh, I almost called them the Angels. Los Angeles Kings. (laughs) um, Not Los Angeles' baseball team, by the way. I'm a Dodgers fan. But... um, the uh, Los Angeles Kings and the Seattle Kraken both sitting with uh, 63 points, but the team who is sitting in the wild card spot has 60. So, I mean, that's a game and a half. Basically, that's a win and a, a play uh, overtime loss. So that's that's pretty close. I do agree with you there. My one caveat, and I say that with the Oilers with three games in hand on the LA Kings as well, but. My caveat with games remaining is that also stands for how many games you can also lose as well. So sometimes I see games remaining and I'm like, okay, you got four more games than us. Fair enough. But if those four games are against uh, a Dallas, a Washington, uh, uh, you know, you can go on and on against these, these really good teams and go out there and have stinkers. Well, then all of a sudden they don't really matter. But uh, in the same breath, what if those uh, with the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Oilers next four games are the Detroit Red Wings, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Ottawa Senators and the Montreal Canadiens. So they have a little bit of a a friendly, let's say, uh, race up uh, for these next couple of games. And if you're a Vegas, if you're a Los Angeles, if you're a Seattle, you're looking at the Edmonton Oilers schedule, you're going, what what what's going on here? The Edmonton Oilers are getting better. They have a Vander Kane coming back healthy. Somehow Vincent DeHarnay has helped the Edmonton Oilers back and sh- back and shore up their uh, shorthanded situation, play better in their own end. And the Edmonton Oilers are going to make a couple of moves as well. I mean, the the, the twer- trade wins here in Edmonton are swirling all the way down into the desert, trying to pick up Jacob Chikrin and bring him back up north 
to Edmonton. It seems like all Oilers fans are trying to will that to, to fruition, but the Edmonton Oilers are going to make some moves that are going to make them better. If that involves a bottom six guy as well, maybe a Sam Lafferty, maybe a Nick Bukestad as well. The Edmonton Oilers are going to get better in the positions that they aren't good at right now. And if you're a Seattle Kraken team who I would deem as a fragile team, yes, they have shown in every portion of the season that they're a pretty good team. They can go out there, beat Boston at home. That's a pretty big win. But the fact that you're still only three points above the wild card spot doesn't give me a lot of hope. I don't know. I, I I just think Seattle and Los Angeles, especially that young Los Angeles team, they're both fragile. Uh, let's move on to Colorado, though. As mentioned, the former Stanley Cup champions are starting to pour it on. Seven and three in their last 10 games. Their next couple of games as well are looking like real measuring stick games. The Pittsburgh Penguins tonight, five o'clock uh, Mountain Standard Time here uh, is puck drop between the Penguins and the Avalanche. Then they go to Tampa Bay, then Florida. I know Florida isn't having the best season, but they're still a tough team to play against. Then back against Tampa Bay in uh, in uh, Colorado as well. So they're having a little bit of a measuring stick uh, stretch here. Do you think that this is where maybe not the make or break moment for the, the Avalanche come because they are still going to get Landis Cog and Josh Manson back at some point, but do you think this is kind of hey we get these points here and we are going to get rolling yeah this is a huge stretch in the season for them because it's you know i mean and it's not really thing a thing that the teams can control but it's kind of the opposite of the situation you just described with the oilers the oilers are getting these i mean for lack of a better term a little bit of a, of a cakewalk schedule with bad teams again that's not something that they can control you got to play the teams that are in front of you in colorado not only are, I mean, they're playing, like you said, you know, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins who have been good all year, Tampa Bay, who is a good team, but also is going to have revenge on their minds for having lost to the Avs in the, the Stanley Cup finals. Um, and then the Florida Panthers, you said, you know, not a very good or not a great team, a uh, middle of the pack team, but they also just last night beat the brakes off the lightning seven to one in their first game back. So maybe the all-star break is what they needed to get themselves reset. And maybe they're due for a, a heater of the last 30 games or so to close out the year. So it's certainly not an easy slot, you know, slate of games. And you mentioned, you know, some teams, you got to take it team by team when it, in terms of, you know, games in hand. Colorado only has 48 games played. They have four games in hand over Dallas and Winnipeg. And that's a team that, I mean, you look at them and you say, oh, they have games in hand. And it, it makes me a little bit nervous as someone who covers the Stars just because, I mean, they really could get hot, although they are, I mean, 11 points behind at the moment, and you assume the Stars are going to continue to win a good majority of their games as well. But you also don't necessarily want the Avalanche to get too close. I will say, I would not mind the Avalanche getting into a top three spot in the division because that holds off the possibility of them playing the Stars in the first round. I would, If Colorado's going to make the playoffs, I'd rather them not be a wildcard team because if <laughs> Dallas holds on to that first place spot, they're going to play a wildcard team. And I'd much rather that be uh, a Calgary or maybe even a Vegas kind of team. Nash, if Nashville wants to sneak into a wild card spot, that that'd be fine with me too, because I, I think that matchup favors Dallas. Um, yeah. But of course, that's still a good ways away. But that that's kind of where I, I stand on the Avalanche. I think that this is going to be, like you said, a nice measuring stick for them. And I think we're going to learn a little bit more 
about this team and what they're made of. They're pretty well rested. I know they had, what, three representatives at the All-Star game. So, I mean, they're not maybe as rested as some of the rest of the guys, but also, I mean, it's the All-Star game, so they're not going 100%. I imagine that those guys are, you know, Ranton and McKinnon, McCarr, as well as the rest of the team. They're going to be ready to go, and I'm sure they're excited to get back out on the ice. And like you said, they're only going to continue to get healthier when they get guys like Manson and their captain, Gabe Landeskog, back. Uh, it's going to be a scary team to face down the stretch and in the playoffs when they eventually make it, which I think they will. Now, and just kind of maybe to wrap up on, on the, the playoff race here, but uh, you mentioned something pretty interesting that kind of got my brain going. The Florida Panthers won 7-1 against the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nobody really expected that. I'm starting to wonder now, obviously this is just one game. We can take a look at maybe some other games from last night, but I'm curious to see if there will be any of an all-star game hangover for some of these teams. The Edmonton Oilers also had three players going to the all-star game. I don't expect Stuart Skinner to start against uh, the, uh, who are they playing tonight? The Detroit Red Wings, excuse me. Uh, I don't expect that because that would just be again, playing in the all-star game, blah, 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 a lot for him. but I'm very curious to see if there are or if there is going to be a little bit of uh, all-star hangover for these teams. Even if you didn't go to an all-star game, you went to a beach somewhere in Cabos uh, in Mexico. You went to uh, St. Martin. You went somewhere and you had a couple of uh, mimosas, that's for sure. So I'm curious to see the uh, alcohol outtake through the sweat per 60 minutes uh, throughout these next couple of games here. But we'll see. We'll see. I- I'm very excited to see. Um But I just want to mention one more thing kind of uh, alongside. This goes with all teams as well, but this is an Edmonton Oilers example. Now, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, this is the list of the next uh, couple of games for the Edmonton Oilers. The Detroit Red Wings, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Ottawa Senators, the Montreal Canadiens, back to uh, playing Detroit again. The New York Rangers, who we are going to talk about in a bit, who are a little bit of a better team, but we all know their struggles as well this year. The Colorado Avalanche also having their struggles this year then uh, Philadelphia again the Penguins the Blue Jackets and then on February 27th the Edmonton Oilers play the Boston Bruins and then on March 1st the Edmonton Oilers play the Toronto Maple Leafs and then is the trade deadline I bring this up because there are going to be situations like this all around the league where you're finally getting a real measuring stick as to the team you have the Edmonton Oilers in this example have the Boston Bruins then the Toronto Maple Leafs then the NHL trade deadline Teams are going to be going into their into the deadline knowing exactly what type of team they have against playoff teams. This might be an interesting little thing to watch out for with all the teams in the playoffs, who they're playing going into uh, the deadline, how they are playing going into the deadline, and if those moves that they make correlate with the way they are playing and will they actually help. So maybe I'm just putting on my tin hat here, but just just a little bit more of a uh, sequencing type thing. Either way, let's wrap up today's conversation with some more playoff talk, but more about about the potential detriment of the Calgary Flames as they get beaten up in more ways than one in the Big Apple. We will talk about that in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. 
Our next partner have has a product I use literally every day. I started using AG1 because I wanted to better my gut health, optimize my immune system, and I wanted to do that without taking so many different pills. That is exactly what I get with AG1. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, your aging, all of the things, all of the things, all while still tasting fantastic. Plus, it is lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it is all good for you. And it contains less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. Again, all while still tasting great. And it costs less than $3 a day. You are investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Gonna put that away for sure. <laughs> Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It is just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Speaking of insurance, Dan, it seems like the Calgary Flames may need some insurance, and that may mostly be coming in the form of medical bills, as the Calgary Flames and the New York Rangers had potentially the game of the year last night at the Garden. It started off with a bang and ended off with a bang. It was a very entertaining game at the um, at Madison Square Garden a 5-4 overtime victory in uh, the Garden for the New York Rangers but another loss for the Calgary Flames more hysteria maybe coming <laughs> from Calgary is uh, another loss with Markstrom in the net. Why didn't you start Vladar? Oh, every single time there was a fight, it seemed like either Jacob Trubo or whoever the New York Ranger, they were fighting. They were getting absolutely beaten up. This isn't the Calgary Flames team you expected, especially considering who's behind the bench with Daryl Sutter. Are the Calgary Flames in trouble to you, Dane? I, I think they they could be a little bit. I'm not going to say. I mean, obviously the season's not over. They're they're in a playoff spot. But last night was definitely. It feels weird to say a low point because this game went to overtime. They got a point out of it, and like you said, game of the year it potentially, and a, a very, I'm sure, entertaining game for the fans in attendance. A total 62 penalty minutes. Uh, from both teams, 41 from the Flames and 21 from the Rangers. And if I, I have the list pulled up here of all the penalties. feels like just about every penalty either has 
Jacob Truba in it from the Rangers. Chris Tanev, uh, Dylan Dubé had 17 penalty minutes in total. I think he had two fighting penalties, an instigating penalty. And then I, I'm reading this. I didn't get to watch the game live. I, I was watching the, the Stars-Ducks game, but I did see the game-winning goal. And in overtime, they, they have a penalty given to Jacob Markstrom for a game misconduct. But I, I saw that he broke his stick on the goal after, after the Rangers scored to, to win the game. And I'm assuming that's what that's for. I did, and I didn't know you could get a penalty after, after the game ends. Feels a little bit like salt in the wound to me, but I feel like also very indicative of, of how he and I imagine the rest of the team and probably that Calgary fan base feels uh, after that game with, I mean, their guys getting absolutely laid out by Truba, who, I mean, you could argue back and forth, clean hit, not a clean hit, but I mean, just how aggressive he was playing in that game and, I mean, kind of messy all around, but at the same time, I'm sure, again, an entertaining product uh, for those that were watching because a ton of penalty minutes, quite a few fights, but also a pretty good amount of offense as well. Hey, old time hockey, that's what you can ask for. But uh, I'm curious if this is maybe an indicator as to if this is... really how the flames are going to be for the next couple of years. I fear not only for this season, but for the coming seasons as well. As mentioned, they are fighting for a playoff spot when they were, weren't at this time last year, they're basically fighting for playoff seating instead of a playoff spot. And now you get to this point and should Terrell Sutter still be behind the bench Is Jacob Markstrom really that goaltender everybody thought he was? Is he worth that money? That defense isn't fantastic. I mean, when you put everybody together, it is a, I don't want to say passable defense, but it is an NHL defense. I think it, it all told they do their job, but there's no one who really goes up and above everybody else on that D pairing or on that, that, that D uh, unit. Then you bring in guys like Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri, who are great additions to any team. They are a great addition, especially when you take a look at the fit in Calgary, it makes sense, but they haven't had the ideal output that everybody expected from this team. Now we're at this point and we're seeing other teams and, and and especially Canadian teams having issues keeping American, mostly American prospects. And you take a look at the Calgary Flames prospects and they have a very solid amount of, of American prospects in their system, which makes me sit here and think, could the Flames even get a future? In within their organization. I mean, we can go through a whole bunch of their Matt Coronado, who is one of their top draft picks recently. I don't think we'll end up playing for the Calgary flames. I don't see that a reason for him to play for the Calgary flames. When you see players all over the place going, I don't want to play in a Canadian market. Uh, take a look at John Marino for the Edmonton Oilers. As an example, you can keep going all over the place. There are a lot of Americans who won't want to play. And again, you look at the uh, flames roster, their, their system. And there are a lot of um, Americans. Could they be in trouble in the future Dane? Certainly. I think that's a huge part of it. We obviously saw how things went with Johnny Gaudreau and him wanting to basically leave Canada and play close family. And then, of course, there's the move that sent 
uh, Matthew Kachuk, uh, you know, to Florida. I mean, they lose all these big pieces, guys that I think were considered leaders on the team, whether they are American-born players or not. I think that's certainly a factor. And I think also just you talked about the leadership with Daryl Sutter, but also yeah. just looking at this team in general. I mean, if you look at the roster, they're, they're filled with talented players, Kadri, Huberdo, Mangiapani, uh, even defensively, I think McKenzie Weger is a very good player, Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson. I mean, got guys that are, are very serviceable NHL players, but you look from a leadership standpoint, and, and I'm just kind of, I, I struggle to find a guy that's the guy on the team. I don't think they have a guy who's a captain. I know Michael Backlund is wearing a, an alternate captain A, I think, on his sweater. But I feel like last year you had Huberto and Kachuk that even when things were, you know, when the going got tough, they still had th these guys that say, all right, I'm going to step up and I'm going to, you know, score a big goal or I'm going to, you know, lay this hit on this player to get the team going or, you know, something like that. And I feel like that's what those guys brought to the table. And again, they have other good players on the team, but at least from what I've seen from them, I feel like they struggle to find that identity in terms of leadership and the culture of the team. And of course, I'm not around that, that locker room or with those guys. So I can't say, oh, this is a toxic locker room. I, I don't believe that right. to be true. But I also think that, the, I mean, it's important to have chemistry, culture, mm -hmm. leadership, and not to say the stars are a perfect organization. They're not. But having a captain like Jamie Benn, I think pays huge dividends for a team in terms of the longevity of the season and, and where that locker room can stand as a culture and being a unified group. And I just don't know if the Calgary Flames have that right now. And I don't know, depending on the moves that get made over the next few seasons, what prospects yeah. they're able to keep, what that will look like for them in, in the coming years. A hundred percent. And uh, to that point, when they did have Goudreau and Kachuk, they did have a, a hierarchy almost. You knew who you were going to. You knew who the team played through. And it was those two guys. Then you you move both of them. Not some. I mean, it, it was out of the Flames hands. Let's be real. Um, you move both of them and you get players back. That ideally should be taking that spot, but it's a very difficult, like you can say in theory that you should be the leaders, but again, like you said, a, you're not in the locker room and seeing who actually is putting that left foot forward, right foot forward, whatever, and being the right, the leader and be just, that's a difficult situation to come into a brand new team, a brand new system and become a leader when you too are still leading or learning, excuse me, the system for uh, that team. Now, uh, just to wrap up here. Uh, do you think it's Daryl Sutter's last season behind, or do you think it's Daryl Sutter's last season? There we go. I added an extra S somewhere. <laughs> do you think it's Daryl Sutter's final season behind the bench of uh, the Calgary Flames? I was going to say an NHL team. You know what? I will save an NHL team. Do you think this is the last season Daryl Sutter coaches in the NHL? I think it very well could be. I, I don't know his exact age. Um, I know he obviously is one of may, maybe the oldest coach in the NHL, if not one of. And I think at least in terms of Calgary, if they don't make the playoffs, I think 100% that, that he's probably done. It, it, overall in the NHL, it's hard to say. I mean, because you, you just never really know. I mean, a guy like Sutter has been around the game his whole life and there's probably some part of him that wants to be done and enjoy the years that he has left retired. But also, I mean, if you've done it as long as he has, can you really stop it? And it also just depends yeah. on what other coaching jobs open up and if it's any of them are worth taking. I imagine a few of, of the basement teams in the league might have some job openings, but 
Is a guy like Sutter really going to want to go into those jobs, a rebuild or a team that's not going to make the playoffs for the next few seasons? I don't think that's something he'd be interested in. So I, I think it's pretty likely, although it's hard to say for sure. But I think if Calgary misses the playoffs with the expectations they had this season, because people, not, many people weren't very phased after the moves that went down. I think everyone kind of assumed that the Panthers and the Flames would kind of be the same teams they were last year, just right. with different personnel. And I feel like both of them have fallen short to some extent. And I feel like the Panthers are doing a little bit better, but also, I mean, they're, they're also out of a playoff spot right now. Uh, granted, the Eastern Conference is a lot closer and tight of a race, but the Flames, I, I feel like, are one of the more disappointing teams in the conference this season. And, and if they miss the playoffs, I don't see Sutter returning next season. Daryl Sutter, 64 years old from Viking. I know. That's what I thought too. <laughs> I thought the exact I'm you said that and you're I'm like, he must be at least 74. That's what like, I was thinking. I was yeah, like, he has yeah. to be at least set man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess coaching in the NHL makes you look older than you are. Yeah, oh my that goodness. Means- Aging like a good old Berta boy. And I was just going to say, uh, born from uh, in Viking, Alberta. I mean, everybody knows the Sutter family. But I, I again, I cover the Edmonton Oilers, but all over Alberta. It doesn't matter. You respect Daryl Sutter. I just wanted to say that because I know I was the one who posed the question. Is this the last time you see Daryl Sutter? No, I just want to make sure that everybody in Alberta loves Daryl Sutter. He is exactly the epitome of what an Alberta boy is. So uh, we're let's wrap up there. Uh, just insane, insane storylines coming down the stretch through the Western Conference. And Dane and I are going to have it all for you. I cannot wait for this last stretch here. Dane, let's wrap up today's episode. Where can the people find you? Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at lock or at Dane double underscore loose. You can also find Locked on Stars. Just search the show name on social media and on your favorite podcasting platform and YouTube. If Patrick Kane does come to Dallas, you better believe that there's going to be an onslaught of content covering that move or any other trade move that goes down. I don't anticipate a Patrick Kane level move, but you never know. This this is, as, as Brett said earlier, silly season, and we've seen a lot of silly things happen at the trade deadline. So you got you to gotta be prepared for the unexpected. And so be sure to check out Locked on Stars if you want any more information on that team and what they're doing here near the deadline. There's going to be some silly things happening. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And especially as soon as the Dallas Stars make their move, I'm heading over to you. But uh, for me personally, you can find me at the real Holden 40 on Twitter, on Instagram. I think my Tinder is that. Oh, wait, I can't say that. Anyways, you don't <laughs> care about me. You care about the Oilers and you can find Locked On Oilers on Twitter at Locked On Oilers. Exactly how it sounds. And you can also find us on YouTube at Locked on Oilers as well. There, if you haven't subscribed, what are you doing? It's the final week of uh, the Yes of Puliyarvi as an Edmonton Oiler train here. So Puliyarvi is going to be up here all, all the time. So much love to Puliyarvi. Either way, let's wrap up there. Thank you so much for joining us for Western Conference Tuesdays. We shall see you next week.